This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown Las Vegas! With insights, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now. The latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back, Raider Nation. It is time for Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast covering the Las Vegas Raiders. Welcome back. If you don't already download the show, make sure you do. Subscribe. That's how you start. You hit the subscription button, and guess what? Put on auto downloads. It'll come right to your phone wherever you listen to us, in the car, whatever. You can get it there. Also, if you're watching us on YouTube, love our YouTube chat. Always fun. Make sure you go there if you get a chance. Subscribe. Hit the notifications bell and join us. Appreciate you getting back. We're here to talk. It's the off season, but there's lots going on, and we're going to get to that here in a second. But, of course, first we bring in our man, and that is, of course, Mo Moten, he is the NFL writer nationally for Bleacher Report. You can catch his work up there, but also uh, talks about the readers up on sportsnot.com. He's a columnist there as well. He's also known around these parts as Midtown Mo. It's Midtown Mo. All right. Great feedback, by the way, Mo, on, <laughs> on your theme music. People dig it, man. They really like it. Uh, and so we're there, and it's all about you. So we're just making sure that uh, – I'm just kidding. But, no, it's all good. So here is Mo. Uh, make sure, again, you follow him on Twitter, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N, and catch him wherever he's at. All right, man, it's that time of the year. The Combine is getting started. Uh, are you ready to evaluate some people? 
absolutely ready to evaluate 200 to 300 pound men in their underwear. <laughs> um, this is the highlight of my career right here. The NFL con- scouting combine. No, I'm just joking. I, I, I Before we get into that, I, I just want to just point out a few things about the combine. The combine is important, but not for the reasons, not for the biggest reasons you think it is. I think Mm -hmm. the most important thing about the combine, as far as all prospects are concerned, are the interviews, the stuff we don't hear about. Yes. I I think the interviews are super important and doesn't get (laughs) talked about enough because we're not in the interview room, so we don't know what's asked of these prospects or what was talked about behind closed doors. But I think that's the moment where team representatives get a real feel for the player because as much as we like to break down the X's and O's of what happens on the field, a lot of these teams want to see if this player is a fit for their locker room. And the only way you can do that is through an interview. You can. The other thing we'll talk about in this segment, by the way, just an overview of the show. We're going to get into the combine. We're going to get uh, a couple, two or three of Mo's top must watch for Raider fans because he's always prepped. He's, he's covering those 300 pound men. Do you remember what, by the way, Chris Jones, do you remember when he did the combine? What happened to him? I don't remember. Remind me. He was running, I think the 40 and his junk fell out of his shorts. Yes. You know what? I vaguely remember that happening to a prospect, but I I didn't, I forgot that it was Chris Jones. Yes. Yes. So yeah, his junk (laughs) fell out of his shorts and uh, it was, he handled it really well. Just, and I'm sure that helped him when he got drafted because he handled that adversity like none other, but it's an amazing thing. And yes, YouTube has everything. So if you're interested, um, I don't think, I think it's blocked out, but you can get the sense for how funny it was. But anyway, I'll, I'll, combine, take, it, I'll take your word for that one. Yes, I, I think you should. <laughs> um, but I will say this, the combine, we're going to talk about this segment. Then in the second segment, we're going to talk about a piece. If you remember Andrew Brandt, Andrew Brandt's a professor at Villanova University Sports Business, former front office executive with the Green Bay Packers, was involved with getting Aaron Rodgers there and all that kind of stuff. He wrote a piece up on Sports Illustrated that I want to talk about when it comes to cap and court paying quarterbacks, uh, which challenges some assumptions. And Andrew's been on the show a couple times before. I'm sure we'll have him on again real soon. But I want to talk about it in relation because a lot of the conversation to Raider Nation, Mo, as you know, well, we can't do this and we can't do that because we got to do this. And you and I keep saying, well, no, there can be true truths on both sides. You can do both things if you manage things correctly. So we're going to talk about that as well. And then we'll get into some hodgepodge in the third segment. But that's a rundown of the show. But first, we talk about Combine. And Mo, you talked about something about the Combine not just being about running 40s and vertical jumps and all that stuff. And that's true. The other thing I want to say before you get into the player evaluation piece of it is that the combine has become a mini, a mini NFL GM convention. So if you go back the last several years, what has happened at these meetings a lot, Mo, is that deals are made. This is where we start to see free agents signed. We start to see also uh, trades happen, not only draft picks, but also existing players. So I'm telling people, yes, watch the combine, watch the stupid four cone or three cone, whatever it is, uh, and all that jazz. But also pay attention because you might start to see teams make significant moves. I think that's one of the underrated pieces of the combine in Indianapolis as well. I think that's the reason why so many NFL writers and reporters go to the combine to get the scoops. 
Yeah. I mean, they they go to, you know, watch the activities and the events, too. But the scoops are are what moves the needle at this point in the year, because a lot of the top I want to say a lot, but some of the top guys aren't going to even participate in the combine. Bryce Young isn't going to throw. Jalen Carter is not going to participate. So if if the combine isn't your thing, then you can kind of go to some of these restaurants, eateries and figure <laughs> out what's the buzz. Like, is Lamar Jackson going to get traded? I yep. know the Green Bay Packers contingency is going to be in Indianapolis, but I'm sure there'll be buzz about Aaron Rodgers there as well. Yeah. And, and, and remember, for me, it's sort of like I'm a big baseball guy, as you know, and the winter meetings for baseball is where everything happens, right? Now, the NFL, you'd say, well, the NFL has their owners' meetings like four times a year. It's not the same, right? That's owners' meeting. With the winter meetings in baseball, that's where all the teams go. It's like Christmas. They bring their shopping list. What are they looking for? Who are they looking to deal? What do they need? Right? That happens towards the end of the year. And to me, this is that. This is the winter meetings, if you will, spring meetings, for the NFL and GMs. And this is where I particularly, if Dave Ziegler is kind of the wheeler dealer that he sometimes can be, we might see some deals. I'm not saying any big blockbusters, they could happen, but you might start to see something happen. Now, Jalen Ramsey was a name that we've been uh, talking about for weeks here. That has come out. The Rams are moving him. There's no question. And so you would expect, and you're seeing the Raiders name, but this is where those discussions happen, Mo. And I think to me, I, you know, I, yes, I'm watching the, <laughs> the young college players and what they're doing. But to me, this is much more why I'm checking my phone every 30 minutes during this time of the year. Absolutely. And not to get Raiders fans excited, but when Jalen Ramsey was leaving Jacksonville, I think he was on busting with the boys. and He mentioned two teams that he would play for mm -hmm. the Tennessee Titans. Cause he's a, he's a native of the state of Tennessee and the Las Vegas and the Raiders. So yeah. I don't know if that if he still feels the same way because you got to remember when he was leaving the Jaguars, I believe John Gruden was in place. The Raiders were a different team. I don't know if he would want to play under Josh McDaniels and, and Patrick Graham and that staff. Raiders being coming off of a six and eleven season, but I, I think it's worth mentioning because the Raiders need a they have a need at cornerback. Now yeah. I'll say I'll say one thing that makes me skeptical of a Raiders Rams deal with Jalen Ramsey is Jalen Ramsey reportedly wants a new contract. <laughs> I don't know if the Raiders are going to want to spend as much as he is. You know, you can ask for a certain dollar number. doesn't mean you'll make it, but right. he wants to be one of the highest paid cornerbacks and he's playing still at an all pro level at 28 years old. So he's worth that penny, but I don't know if the Raiders will, will, will be willing to spend on, on him. On yeah, that, that remains to be seen. And I think, you know, this draft in particular, which now will transition into Mo telling us about some guys we got to watch this draft in particularly particular if you look at edge you look at cornerback is deep there's just is a lot of player i mean there's a lot which is good for the raiders listen because they need they could use another edge player cuz chandler jones you don't know and plus you got to continue to develop guys all the time and then cornerback there's clearly a huge need for cornerback for this raiders team mo when you look at this combine this week and what's happening there give us somebody Maybe on the defense, a guy you're watching in particular closely as it relates to the Raiders and who they might be wanting to interview and sit down and have a cup of joe and figure out if they're the right person. I don't want to butcher his name, so I'm <laughs> going to take my time with this pronunciation. Tuli Tui Palatu out of yes. USC. Defensive tackle, I believe he's about 6'4", 290, lined up a lot on the outside, 
at USC is probably going to have to transition inside on the, on the NFL level. But I think the Raiders should totally be interested in him in the second round. I actually think that he can probably be, when it's all said and done, you'll look at him and say, why wasn't he a first-round talent? Now, the Raiders, as we all know, if you're a Raider fan, you know this, they need a guy who can play the three technique on the inside. They need a guy who's going to be able to unlock their edge rushers and, and generate some pass rush on the inside, on the interior. And I think Thule could do that. Now, there are some questions about his fit, because as I said, he lined up mostly on the outside at USC. He's about 6'4", 290, so he's, he's not going to line up on the outside unless it's a, it's a sub package on a pro level. So he's going to have to move inside, which is which wasn't his thing at USC. But I think he can transition well because of his skill set. He has the power. Now, and he has a pass rush plan. Now, a lot of these edge rushers come into the NFL, and they're just using their best move, the bull rush, a spin move. Right. I think he has a developed pass rush plan where he can do different things on the inside if he can transition. And I think that's part of why you saw the production that he had. I believe he had 13, 13 and a half sacks this past season, 22 tackles for loss. So if he can bring that to the NFL, not saying that those numbers will translate directly, but if he can get the Raiders a handful of sacks and, and 10 tackles for loss on the pro level as a rookie, I think that's big for the defensive line. So I think the Raiders should be eyeing him on, on at, at the combine and through the draft. Absolutely. His older brother, Marion, of course, played for the Eagles uh, as well. And also, I mean, you look at what, what he did, unanimous All-American, uh, two-time first Pac-12 uh, team, Morris Trophy he won. He won the Pat Tillman Defensive Player of the Year Award. And, of course, he was a Polynesian Football Player of the Year. So uh, a great, great pick there. And like you said, could fall into that second round. The size uh, and the quickness, actually. I mean, that's – I think you mentioned it. You watch him, and he's pretty pretty stellar. So we'll have to see how that all goes goes down. What about the defensive backfield? Anybody stick out for you there? Do you select anybody there? Is there somebody that Raider Nation, as they start watching the highlights this week, that they might want to look for? There's a guy I've been mentioning from maybe six weeks ago in Cam Cam Smith out of South Carolina. Now, I have family in South Carolina, so maybe it's a little biased. Here, but <laughs> uh, I really like Cam Smith. He's not the he's not the athletic prototype, so to speak. He's not he's not Gonzalez out of Oregon. You're not going to see a fluid athlete out of him, which is why I want to see how he performs at the combine. Because one of the questions about him is. Does he have the makeup speed when a wide receiver gets a gets a step on him? Can he make up for that for that close that window really quick if he's initially beat? Because as a cornerback, you're gonna get beat on the pro level. When you guys got guys like Devontae Adams and Justin Jefferson out there, mm -hmm. you're gonna lose some battles. It's how do you respond to those lost battles and how do you recover when a wide receiver gets ahead of you downfield? So I think the combine will be important for Cam Smith because they'll show where his where his agility is, where his change of direction is, his backpedal, things of that nature. So he's going to have to show up there. If he shows out the combine, I think he can go at the end of the first round. If he's very average, as many people, as many draft evaluators think he is as an athlete, then he could be available in the second round. But I will say he's very instinctive, and that's why he he has all the ball production that he had at South Carolina. Yeah, and I listen as as much as the Raiders need help in the defensive backfield, and and he would be a fine selection. I think that they're not going to go that direction in the first round, right? I think you have other needs on defense. You must talk about defensive tackle, um, and of course quarterback, depending what they do there, if they can, if they have a choice there. Um, and so you have to look at guys later in the second or third round, even. Guy I like, Deontay Banks out of Maryland, right? Here's a guy, one of the big corners, if you call him, 6'2". I forgot what his weight is, 190. He's got that lateral movement. He's got that big length. That You look at a big 
corner and they can do the run, but you talked about the agility, the, the, the lateral movement. And for a kid that big, I like his movement as well. So there's a lot of, again, really deep drafts. So if the Raiders don't select a cornerback in the first two rounds or even the third round, Mo, I think there's going to be quality guys going into the fourth. I think so too. And a lot of people think that the cornerback position is probably one of the deepest positions in this draft class. I, I actually expect the Raiders to go cornerback early and late. I, I wouldn't, that's one of the positions. I. What do you mean by early though? Are you, are you thinking before the third? I would, I would actually consider it in the first, believe it wow. or not. Wow. I would, if the Raiders trade, let's say the Raiders are at seven and they don't like any of the, the options they have at seven at that value. And let's say they trade back into the teens and Joey Porter Jr. is there. Yeah. I'm taking Joey Porter Jr. I know he doesn't have, I know he only has one interception at the collegiate level, but it's not all about interceptions. And I think he could be a number one lead corner type that the Raiders need on the back end. So I, I wouldn't take him at seven, but in the teens, early 20s, if he's there, I don't think he'll be in the 20s. I think he'll go in the teens because I think he's the number one cornerback. Maybe maybe Christian Gonzalez, depending on what you want. If you want a physical Oregon, guy, Joey yeah. Porter Jr. If you want more of an athlete, it'll be Christian Gonzalez. But I think he could be the top cornerback off the board. If he's there, again, in the teens, late teens, I would take him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you got Devin Witherspoon, Gonzalez, Porter. Mm -hmm. I talked about Banks. Tyreek Stevenson out of Miami, too, I think is a little underrated. So, again, mm -hmm. you you I, 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 see a, I see at least two, maybe three of those guys going in that first round. Uh, but then with all of the other depth you have there, too, you could you could end up going later. And, and if, listen, if the Raiders, to me, We'll see what they do at seven. I mean, listen, if 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 they can't go quarterback, if they can't move up, if that's their direction, uh, they could certainly move down in the first, pick up a couple second or a second or a third round later for that first round. That seven, that number seven pick will be very valuable, and that wouldn't be a bad thing for this Raiders team if they're going different direction in quarterback, because then you accumulate picks, Mo. And and to me, if I'm them, just like a bunch of the other teams that need bodies, that's what I would consider doing if you're not going to do quarterback in the first round. And, and let's remember that free agency is going to change our opinions on this. Once Correct. we see what the Raiders do in free agency, they may sign a top corner off the market, a Jamel, a Jamel Dean out of, Tampa, out of Tampa Bay, played for Tampa Bay over the past few years. If they sign a top corner, then you could take corner off the board on day one, in my opinion, because you need, to me, you need someone on the defensive line. And I know you only asked for, for a couple of prospects, but the other guy I'm looking at, Miles Murphy out of Clemson, that's a guy I think it's interesting for him because there are questions about his short area agility. So I think things like the cone mm -hmm. drill and his 10-second uh, split are going to be important for him at the combine. But I've seen Miles Murphy listed ev everywhere between 5, 6, going to the Lions or the Seahawks, all the way I've seen him in the 20s. Yeah. And the, question, the big question for him is, doesn't have great bend. But he has this, he has that that long arm bull rush that has got him through and got him some production, some sack production out of Clemson. So it's gonna be interesting to see where he falls and how teams see him. Well, and and before we hit the break here, Mo, uh, I think one of the one of the opportunities that the Raiders may have is if they don't go quarterback or they don't move up to get a quarterback and the quarterback they want is not available at seven. Could they go offensive line again? Could they go? They've been linked in a lot of these mock drafts to uh, Peter Skarnowski from Northwestern. Yeah. Is that a guy you could see them taking at seven or if they trade down a couple picks in the top 10, top 15? I, this is going to sound crazy, <laughs> but I actually think that 
the Raiders might like Jermaine Illuminar at right mm -hmm. tackle. I really yeah. honestly think that because being that he didn't start before this past season, wasn't right. a full-time starter before this past season. Again, I, I believe he allowed one sack after week two or three. I know he was a penalty machine, but remember, it was his first full-time position as a starter. First, he has a full-time starter. So he, as crazy it may, as it may sound, even in his mid-late 20s, he's still maybe on the up because he hasn't had much starting experience. And I think the Rays are going to resign him, which will kind of tamper down the need to pick a tackle in the first round. Yeah. Now, if you take Skaronsky and you want to move him to guard, which a lot of teams have talked about, a lot of draft analysts have talked about because he has short arm length, I would kind of understand it, but a guard at seven to me is – you know, it doesn't it doesn't match in value. So I just don't see them taking a tackle in round one. I see them taking a tackle in round two, and that's when my guy Darnell Wright out of Tennessee comes in. Yeah, I think the only exception to what you're saying, and I agree with it, is if they trade way down in the first. If so, if they're at the bottom of the first round for whatever reason in the twenties, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. then you might do that or a Paris Johnson at Ohio State if it's mm -hmm. the best player available. That's what you got to go with when you're down there. Uh and and your need, of course. But to me, yeah, I agree with that. If you're if you're at seven, I just you know, either one of those guys are good. Those two top guys I mentioned, but they're not generational type offensive tackles. I don't think it's not the kind of guy you take in the top ten. I I would just prefer. Now I know people are going to scream at me and say BPA BPA BPA, and I understand that. <laughs> but if you're not going to take a quarterback at seven, to me, you have to take a a game changer for the defense. The, the Raiders have had a, a bad defense for how long we've talked about this. Yes. A lot of fans have said defense, defense, defense when we say QB. So if you're not going to take a QB, take a defender who's who could possibly change your defense. Yes. You could do that with a lead corner or a guy that can get to the quarterback. And to me, that defensive tackle position too, right? Because it's not as deep in this draft, but if that's a guy, but it's a seven, you take, you got to win in the trenches. You saw it happen mm -hmm. With the Chiefs this year, you saw it happen. With the Eagles, you have to build the trenches first. So it's not always sexy. You're not going out and buying the jersey. But if you can get that guy, he can be a huge game changer. All right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to shift gears a little bit. We're still talking about the Raiders building their roster. But our good friend Andrew Brandt, uh, from Villanova University, writes up on Sports Illustrated. He writes about the business of the NFL, which a lot of us forget about, including me, and us when we talk about football. He did a great piece up on SI, and we're going to talk about his premise when we come back. It has to do with the salary cap and how you can, he says, build around paying a top-flight quarterback. So you can pay a quarterback $50 million and still have money left over to build a winning team. We'll talk about that when we come back. You're with Mo and Scott here on Silver and Black today in Odyssey Original Podcast. Don't go anywhere. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Welcome back. This is Mo and Scott Branson. We are your hosts. We are guiding you through the offseason. That's right. The signpost up ahead says NFL Combine. Past that says NFL Draft. And then there's a little bit of a dead period, and then we get camp, and then we get back into it in full swing. So thanks for being with us. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, do us a favor and please subscribe. Also, put on auto-downloads. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit subscription and the notification bell. Okay, Mo, we, I sent you this piece after uh, Andrew wrote it, but Andrew Brandt, if you don't know Andrew Brandt, you can check him out. He's a great follow on Twitter, by the way, if you want to follow the business of sports and the business of the NFL. Um, former Green Bay Packers front office executive, significant in the signing and the kind of uh, contract structure for uh, Aaron Rodgers, of course, and that's not what we're talking about today, not Aaron Rodgers uh, in general. But also, uh, he is a, a professor at Villanova University on sports business. And he brought up a point because I've said it, you've said it, and I think we said it in the right way where we said, hey, you have to get rookies on contract. You have to get rookie contracts to build your team. You have to manage the cap effectively. And Andrew's premise is that it is not big quarterback contracts that are the problem. It is bad cap management because, and I want to read some of these stats, Mo, because they're, they're pretty stellar. And then we'll get into the discussion, which he talks about rookie contracts, right? That the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement, in the NFL makes the cap management uh, of utmost important. And what he talks about is rookie contracts. That's a four-year contract. As you know, you get a fifth year option. You can't renegotiate a rookie contract until your third year. The NFL rosters today, Mo, 50 to 60% of them have uh, uh, players on their team that are on those rookie contracts. And if you look at the players, you're, if you average, let's say, 30 players on a rookie contract, that's a million dollars a year. That's $30 million to half your team. And you might have a $224 million cap space, right, with the, with the cap. And so that's his point, is that it's cap management versus cash management, which we'll get to in a second. But his premise, Mo, if you think about it, if half your team is making $30 million, that leaves you quite a bit of money. So I'm not saying the Raiders need to go there, because you and I have been very public about our support of the Raiders going all they can to get C.J. Stroud to get a young quarterback. Dave Ziegler's statement the other day that, hey, we might not know exactly what we're going to do. We might not fix it this year. We might not get that quarterback for the next 10 years in 2023. And people, the discussion has been around, we can't afford Aaron Rodgers because we have to build a defense or we can't go trade for Lamar Jackson. Not, not saying that they should make it clear, but saying that you can't go get him and pay him 50 or $60 million a year. Like the Browns paid Deshaun Watson. But Andrew's point though is well taken is yes, you can, <laughs> If you really think that's the guy, Aaron Rodgers, different story. You're talking about maybe if you're lucky two years, I think. But either way, Mo, it was a really interesting piece because it did even challenge some of my assumptions. Right. And I think we've said something very similar that 
you don't want to have to pay Aaron Rodgers because then it could hamper what you could do with the defense. And basically, Andrew's point is you could still do things with the defense and get get an Aaron Rodgers. But I think my main stick point with Aaron Rodgers is I'm not giving up a first rounder for a guy, as you said, right. maybe around for two years tops. Yep. Now, if you're going to get a quarterback and pay him $50 million a year, then you have to also understand that you also have to draft well. That's where the rookie contracts conversation comes in. Right. So those guys on rookie contracts have to contribute. It's one thing to have them on your roster, but they have to be able to contribute <laughs> if you're going to have a $50 million a year quarterback. The other thing is you have to spend wisely in free agency. So if you if you pay a guy, let's say $50 million, a quarterback $50 million, 45 to $50 million a year, you're probably not going to have two other guys making top-of-the-market salaries. But that doesn't mean that you can't still fill out the roster with some good free agent pickups because not they're guys that are going to be making outside the top 10 at their position. They can still be productive. So to Andrew's point, yes, you could still build a roster, but your regime, your front office has to be very good at drafting and free agent pickups because if you whiff on a couple of guys that you pay decent money to, it's not going to look good. So. I get Andrew's point, but you also your the other part of this is your regime, your your front office has to be good at finding talent. So, and that's the crux too, because because, and he says this in the piece, and 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 it all comes down to this, which is, does your front office and your cap management team do a good enough job? He's in essence saying that it's not easy per se, but if you have people who know what they're doing then you can do it. And he talked to, I thought it was really interesting because we talked our episode on the salary cap and explaining it, by the way, was as I think our most downloaded episode over the last couple months uh, is the cap management versus cash management. When you see cap numbers and a lot of fans out there listening and watching us, Oh, well, we only have so much cap space. You get focused on the wrong thing because there's cap and there's cash and, and you can, those are separate things. So when you have a player making cash, Big signing bonuses are troublesome because you get the cash up front and you think, oh, well, that's great. But then it's back ended on the end of the contract and it's 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 prorated out the length of the contract in your cap hit. So so what Brant calls and this is something that good cap managers do. And I looked in to what the Chiefs have done and it's exactly what they've done, which is you kind of pay as you go. You give a guy money and you spread it out over a certain amount of time a lengthier amount of time, but it counts against your cap less. And so the cash up front is not as great, but the player has security. You guarantee the money down the line. So to me, this is why this year and what the Raiders do at quarterback almost is less important than how you watch. They manage the contracts, right? Because you could look at last year, Mo, and say, well, geez, the Chandler Jones contract, eh, right? On the other side of it, the Derek Carr contract, and they're out on it, not a bad deal for either side, by the way. And so the jury's still out on whether this team can manage the cap effectively. The premise here, though, if you read the piece, is that it's all contingent on your front office being on the ball. I like the fact that he explained how he handled things as a as a cap guy with the Packers. He said he usually tried to match the cash with the cap. Right. So that you don't have that link. I think he called it sludge. Sludge. So that that lingering cap room payment that you kick down the road that you see the New Orleans with what the New Orleans Saints do year after year is why they are able to free up so much space because they're they they're pushing money down the road and eventually that's that bill is going to come due for them. 
Yeah. But what, what Brent says, he tries to usually match, he tried to as close as possible. So if he's, a player is getting 10 million in cash, 10 million uh, earmarked for cash space, he would try to get that player close to 10 million in cash so that, again, you don't have that lingering sludge years down the line. You, ha- you still have that flexibility. So that's just yeah. a quick example of how he handled things. And he's, he also said that he's starting to see teams do the opposite. You hear all the time, guy gets a signing bonus, is prorated, and it gets complicated, but all you have to know is that when you when you hear that that proration of the signing bonus, that that earmarks capping down the line. It makes it less flexible for you to move things around. Whereas if you pay cash up front, it gives you more flexibility years down the line, years to come. Yeah, and he he created gave an example here, which he talks about Aaron Rodgers this year, and he says the team's going to have a forty million dollar cap hit even if he's not there. So if they trade Aaron Rodgers, they're going to incur a forty million dollar cap hit. That's the same cap charge the Falcons had for Matt Ryan last year, <laughs> which is pretty incredible uh, when he played for the Colts. And the Eagles had a $34 million cap charge for Carson Wentz when he played for the Colts as well. So, so again, the, paying a top quarterback cash is not the issue. It's dealing with the leftover cap figure. So we hope you got smarter there. I, I just really found <laughs> that piece because you know what? Andrew is really great. And yes, he gets heady because this is his business and he also teaches it at Villanova. But I think as fans uh, and, and people who observe the league, like you and I, we sometimes forget the difference. We start talking cap numbers. We start talking about bonuses. And, and when you realize to your point, which I thought you took one of the best points away from this, which is if you can match the cap number with the cash number, that's that's how you're managing it, the, as he called it, the pay-as-you-go type of situation. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see if the Raiders do that. I think, to your point, when we see some of these free agent deals come down with the Raiders, Mo, we'll have a better idea for how they're managing it, and we'll get a better sense for how it might be for them three or four years down the road. I think the first couple of days of that tampering period is going to tell us a lot about how they're going to build this roster. Because remember last year when people were saying uh, – Daisy would sleep at the wheel because nothing was happening. Yeah. Meanwhile, they, they come down with this major deal and give Devontae Adams an extension. I think if the Raiders come out guns blazing and they're very aggressive, it's going to show like, yeah, we're, we're going to try to build through the draft with our picks, but we also want to get the defense or we want to get the offensive line a lot better quickly while we have some of these players in their prime, like Devontae Adams and, and Darren Waller and Max Crosby and guys like that. So, I'm interested to see how aggressive they are this year for you to see in the tampering period versus last year. Now I will say if they are aggressive, I think it increases the probability that Daisy is going to be open to doing, making moves during the draft, not necessarily just throwing draft picks away, but if he likes a guy, a quarterback per se, maybe he's willing to move up for number three because he filled so many holes in free agency. So I, I think it'll also give us an idea of how aggressive they're going to be in the draft as far as moving up for a player if they like said player. Yep, I agree 100%. All right, we're going to step aside real quick for a break. When we come back, we'll take you home. That's right, a final segment of this edition, the final edition of Silver and Black today in the month of February, this short 28-day month. I got to get somebody to explain the whole calendar and how this 28 days. I I um, I saw some scientists explain that if we added another day to February permanently, it would, like, throw the axis off the world and we'd all fall off or something. It's crazy. (laughs) But anyway, if anybody knows out there, there's somebody out there who's smart enough that listens to us who can tell us uh, what the deal is. But anyway, last episode of February, when we come back. scared me. 
I know. Almost, almost. You almost. I thought you was gonna say our last episode of Silver Black. I was like, what happened? Are we? Are we getting bumped we get off the air? No, we're the number three NFL podcast in the network. Come on now. All right. When we come back, though, I want to get into something I saw, which is really interesting, which is the most expensive offenses in the NFL. Who are they? Where do the Raiders over the last four years? Where do the Raiders rank on that? Based on what you know, I'll be interested to see what people say in the chat as we build up to that. We're going to come back with Mo and Scott here talking about that on Silver and Black Today and Odyssey Original Podcast. Don't go anywhere. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Silver and Black today in Odyssey Original Podcast covering your Las Vegas Raiders. Mo Moten, he is the national NFL writer for Bleacher Report. He's also the Raiders columnist on SportsNot.com. He is also my good friend and my broadcast partner who you must, and I say must, it's a requirement, follow on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. Although the food narrative has gone way down man i don't know what you're doing like i haven't seen anything on food from you in like months you're just not eating it's, right it, it's funny because on monday i tweeted something out about warm potato salad someone had oh. a tweet that said war- that potato salad is trash and coleslaw <laughs> is is great and i said first of all you're eating potato salad you're probably eating it wrong you gotta warm it up Two, <laughs> re- reverse your opinions of the two foods coleslaw is garbage potato salad warm is good and delicious. See, now I agree with you on coleslaw, although the only time I will eat coleslaw is when it's on top of a pulled pork sandwich. You won't even eat it that way? No, coleslaw okay. is definitely not on And you have ever. you have family from the south and you won't eat coleslaw and no. pulled pork. I don't and I don't I'm not if I knew a family member eating coleslaw, they would be <laughs> reprimanded right away. So they if they do eat coleslaw, they don't eat it around me. Oh my goodness. That's fine. <laughs> And I don't like potato salad, period. Like, I don't eat it very often. I, I, to be honest, I've never had it warm. I've seen your debates back and forth for the years now, but I've never <laughs> even had it warm because when I see it cold, I don't even want it. Will it change my mind if I have it warm? I think it would because wow. I was, I didn't like potato salad at all either until I tried it warm. And then I was like, oh, this is, this is like mashed potatoes with a kick. If you like mashed potatoes, <laughs> I do like all mashed potato potatoes. salad is, is, mashed potatoes with an extra twang to it oh that's all it is i like the little potatoes and you slice them in half you take a, a, a cookie sheet you ready i'm giving you a recipe you, t- you take a cookie sheet and you put down some olive oil um some parmesan cheese some garlic salt and pepper and you cut the little you know the little red potatoes you cut them in half and then you just lay them face down and you bake them i'm telling you brother so good 
I take your advice for you. You're Italian, so I take your advice. Which reminds <laughs> me, by the way, I, yeah. I, want, I wanted to tell you something. I, I know this is we're probably having backdoor conversations on air here, but that, this That's is okay. very important. I watched all three parts of The Godfather this past weekend. All three parts. Only two count, but that's good. <laughs> Straight through. And I, it's it's a great movie. Oh, my great gosh. Movie. Great And, sequel. yeah, I mean, the best sequel ever made, in my view, right? Mm -hmm. So two was spectacular. One was amazing. Two is spectacular. Three, ah, I just can't, right? That's what happens when Francis Ford Coppola lets his daughter direct it. No offense. She's gotten better since, but... It's tough. Although I haven't seen, they have a recut of it. I don't know if you watched right. the recut of it or if you watched the original of three. Okay. So I haven't seen the recut. Some people said it's better, so we'll have to see. But thank you. Now, you've seen Goodfellas, right? Yes. Okay, times. good. So, so, that, so you're up to speed then. Movie. All right. Now you just I'll, be watching watch... Scarf I'll be watching Scarface tonight. Okay. You haven't seen that yet? I haven't seen that straight through. Like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm watching it straight through tonight. So I'll be, I'll be up to speed on. I'll it. tell you two things in this world. I got, <laughs> I got my boss, and I got my word, and I'm breaking none of them for nobody. Okay, there you go. So there's it, word. It's funny because I always seen bits and parts of it. I've never of just sat there and just watched it beginning to end, but I will by the end of the day. So you all be proud of me for that. True story, and we are going to get back to football here in a second. And if you're <laughs> out there complaining, why are you guys talking about food and movies? Then just move on. But anyway, so you know my wife is Cuban, right? So so. Right. I go back in time to when we first were dating and my wife says, Hey, you got to come over. There's a family party. I'm like, okay. So I go over for the family party and I am in, I am in sans the drug and illegal activities. I am in Scarface. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? What's your name? Are you American? I mean, the doing the act, all of her relatives, all the Cubans that it goes to show you if ever around Cubans, Al Pacino, who's an Italian guy, nails Tony Montana at, the character, the Cuban accent, like nobody's business. But I was in there and I was, I was starting, I met a couple of her cousins and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm, I feel like I'm in the movie. <laughs> it was ah. crazy. But anyway, enjoy the movie. Uh, and and, and it's, it's actually remarkable to look back at it. They're trying to remake it. Don't. They're going to change the dynamic, but it's just different. But anyway, good for you, man. I'm glad you sing it. Okay. Now, speaking of... <laughs> Say hello to my little friend. Okay. I saw Warren Sharp from Sharp's Football uh, tweeted out this week. Um, he was talking about most expensive offenses over the last four years. Mo, I th you saw this, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Indianapolis is number one. Holy moly. Over the last four years. Now, if you think about it, they had they've been they've been trying to find quarterbacks, so they're overpaying for guys that aren't performing, right? Which is of course Philip Rivers, who then ended up retiring on them, and then the Carson Wentz deal, which again they paid thirty four million dollars this year for nothing. Um, and then you have Dallas number two at four hundred and seven. Not surprising with the money they doled out to Prescott, uh, to Elliot. Zeke, all those guys, right? Mm -hmm. Number three, Green Bay. Green Bay surprised me. It's $404 million. I, I understand the big Aaron Rodgers deal, and they had Devontae Adams for a while, but they have done nothing. I, it's, it's crazy. Number four, Tampa Bay. So you have Indianapolis, Dallas, Green Bay, Tampa Bay. Number five is a tough one. Cleveland. Can you imagine? 
all that money, Mo Cleveland. What have they finished? What over five hundred once? Right. One playoff. Yep, and one playoff win. I think one playoff win. That's number five. Number six. Guess who that is, Mo? The Las Vegas Raiders slash Oakland Raiders. Three hundred. No $387 million for what? One game under 500 was the best year, correct? Well, they got nope. to the playoffs. They got to the playoffs last year. But holy moly. Then, then you have Tennessee, you have the Chargers, Washington, San Francisco. The bottom five. So the teams who spent the least amount of money on offense. And the surprise is the last one. And I'll get to that. It's Carolina, Miami, Pittsburgh, Denver. And they haven't had a quarterback. That's why. And then Baltimore. So I bring this up to talk about the Raiders, of course. But secondarily, Baltimore, if they really love Lamar Jackson, they should just give him his money. They don't spend anything on offense. $273 million in four years. That's pretty interesting. And what I surmise from that is Lamar being on the rookie deal. Yes. They decided they, not to pay Orlando Brown. Remember, they traded him to the yep. Chiefs. That would have boosted yep. it. Uh, they have Ronnie Stanley that was making a pretty penny. But I think you're right. I think that's a pretty good takeaway from, from that is people who are criticizing Lamar Jackson, look at what Baltimore is spending on their offense while he was there. Yeah. So I, I would say sign a big-time wide receiver. If you, you know if you want to make Lamar happy, that should be one of the things you do. But, but Baltimore, their identity is – they're going to run the ball. And as we know, running backs don't make a lot of money. Right. Right. So I think that's, that, that, that's baked into that number, but it also, as you pointed out astutely is that, you know, you want to make Lamar happy. You want him to stop sending out these cryptic messages on Twitter and Instagram, <laughs> pay for a wide receiver to come to Baltimore and, and give him a number one. But, but here's the thing, Mo, what wide receiver in their right mind is going to go to Baltimore when they don't run, they don't pass the ball. They have a quarterback. Now, some people like Lamar, some don't. I happen to be a Lamar fan. The injuries are a problem, but I think the injuries are brought about partly because he doesn't throw the ball. He has to run. He doesn't have receivers. But if I'm a wide receiver, do I want to go, even though, even if I like Lamar Jackson, do I want to go there with the way that we're in that offense? A couple of things here, and I don't want to get off until Lamar Jackson tangent, but what I... <laughs> A lot of people aren't honest when it comes to the Lamar Jackson discussion. I'm just going to state up front. A lot of people are afraid to criticize Lamar Jackson because they're afraid to be called racist. You think after that? what happened? Wait a minute! Wait a minute! I, wait a minute! Wait a minute! You really? You think that? I honestly believe that a lot of people are afraid to criticize him because they're afraid of the backlash they're going to get on social media. People are going to say, "Are you? You know, are you saying black quarterbacks can't do this? Are you saying black quarterbacks can't mm. do that?" And I think that's part of why some people don't say certain things about Lamar, even though we know it to be true. Like when I said, you're going to pay Lamar Jackson $50 million. If he wants that money, all power to him, because if Deshaun Watson can get that, he, Lamar should be able to get it. But you have to look at the fact that he's missed 11 games over the last two years. I, I saw a number. He's played one December-January game over the last two years because wow. he's been hurt at the end of the year after getting mm. banged up with all of these runs. Now, I can also say – Yes, the Ravens should pay for a top-flight wide receiver to come there with Lamar. But if we're being honest with Lamar, about Lamar Jackson, now this may be part, partially because Greg Roman likes to run the football. He's not the most high-volume passer. Let's remember right. that Hollywood Brown wanted to be traded 
The Raiders, did, the Ravens didn't just trade Hollywood Brown to the Cardinals. He requested to leave Baltimore because he wanted to get paid because he wanted more passes thrown his way. Yeah. Part of that is on Greg <clears throat> Roman, and part of that is on Lamar Jackson. We, we have to be honest about that discussion. Yeah, and and listen, I think my criticism of Lamar Jackson, because again, I like him as a player. He's an incredibly dynamic athlete. My problem with him is I, not only the injuries, I just didn't, after his MVP campaign, I just didn't see him get better. I didn't see him elevate his performance in every facet of the game. And so to me, that's where my concern would be. And I just don't think, if I'm Lamar Jackson, you want the bank, I get it. And I think, you know, hey, you, you get what the market brings. But I don't I don't know that I'd want to stay in that offense. I, if I was going to sign there long term, I'd say, listen, we got to, we got to come to some agreement here because if I'm just going to be a running quarterback that doesn't throw the ball very much, yeah, maybe he's willing to take the money and be that guy. I don't think so, though. I don't think to reach his full potential that he can do it. And I think that you're right. There has to be an honest discussion about his limitations and his lack of growth. And maybe that's the franchise. Maybe if he was, I'm just going to throw it out there. Maybe if he was with Josh McDaniels or if he was with Sean Payton in Denver, I know they're not looking for a quarterback, or if he was somewhere else, where they would open up the offense uh, to at least throwing the ball. It doesn't even have to be a long vertical game, Mo. It just has to be a higher volume of passing. And I don't want people to hear me out in this the wrong way, because I know some Raider fans wanted Lamar Jackson in Vegas. And I'm yeah. not blaming Lamar. I'm not blaming this all on Lamar for his no. low numbers. What I'm saying is that it's a, it's a combination of Greg Roman being a run-first guy and Lamar has has said that he want that I believe he was kind of passive aggressive about this. Someone tweeted Emory Hunt out of CBS Sports said that Lamar Jackson ran a pro style offense at Louisville. Yeah, he's capable of doing more. It's just a matter of was did Greg Roman trust him to do more? Now we don't know, so we can't speak on that. But I will say that with Todd Monken coming in, the Ravens did hire a new offensive coordinator, Todd Monken, who comes out of Georgia. Georgia, with all their success, back-to-back championships, Stenson Bennett goes from a walk-on to a guy everyone knows his face now, who he is, two-time champion. I, I think that could help Lamar if he wants to stay. The, 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 the shaky thing is there were conflicting reports about how much input Lamar had on that hiring because supposedly yeah. Lamar was supposed to be in on hiring a new offensive coordinator and they're saying that he really didn't have too much input. So... Could be shaky ground there. Again, I don't think the Raiders go after him simply because, again, injury history and low-value passer. He's more of an off-script, improvisation type of guy, and I think Josh McDaniels mm. wants a primarily a pocket passer, and Lamar Jackson is not that right at this point in his career. Yeah, it's fit. Uh, it's not just system fit, but it's ability fit, right? So to your point about Lamar Jackson, it's not that he can't pass the ball, like you no. said, the pro-style offense. It's just that's not necessarily – the type of quarterback that the Raiders, because you can't, I think fans get caught up in something, and I, and I totally understand it. You see a great talent, and you say, well, why wouldn't they make us better? Well, yeah, it could make you better in one way, but if your offense is doing something different and you have a different vision for what it's going to do, then it just doesn't work out. And then you think about a Deshaun Watson type. I just got off a segment where we talked about, yes, you can pay a quarterback, but do you want to pay a quarterback who's missed 11 games you know, maybe $55, $60 million a year? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, and that's just way too much money in uncertainty. If it was Patrick Mahomes right now and he was the guy we were talking about, absolutely. I'd pay it in a second, right? But but not with, not with Lamar Jackson because you just don't know what you're getting. 
I think that's part of the Ravens won't say this, but I think that's part of the hesitation for them to give him a massive deal is because they they know that he's been absent for the in December and January the last Correct. two years. You just can't ignore that part of it. And if he's going to play a style in the offense where he's going to run the ball a lot, he's going to get banged up. So that's something that you have to weigh in. And again, this, this goes to my point about to connect it to the Raiders, why I think Josh McDaniels wants a pocket passing first quarterback. Not to say a statue quarterback who doesn't move, but a quarterback who's more reluctant to run the football because, again, takes less hits. And he wants a quarterback that's going to run his office the way he calls it. And and with Lamar Jackson, you know, it's you you can tell it's a lot of it is I want to call it backyard football, but it's a lot of okay, the play breaks down, he makes a split decision to take off with the football. Sometimes that'll make some offensive coordinators pull out their hair when they see that. <laughs> For certain. But I, I thought it was an interesting discussion just because I know fans, you know, they always look at players and say, Well, if they're one of the best players in the NFL, why wouldn't we go get them? And so we gave you some reasons. There, why it's the same reasons we talked about, for example, uh, Josh Jacobs last year not giving him the contract. Now he had a good year this year, and I think that the Ravens, if I was the Ravens, I'd do what the, I think the Raiders should do with Josh Jacobs, and that's tag him. I mean, why not? You have it, it's in the contract. He can't hold out, um, he can demand a trade, he can do all that stuff, but at the end of the day, he's got to come play if he wants to get paid. And so uh, we'll see what happens there. But certainly some parallels there. Of course, very different players in very different positions, but still uh, something to mention there. All right, Mo, we're going to close out this show. I hope everybody got some good uh, good feelings on how to eat potatoes <laughs> and what to watch at the Combine. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll talk more about what we saw at the Combine. Maybe we'll even be able to talk about some NFL free agent deals, Mo. Hopefully. And we didn't mention this in the show, but – Albert Breer put out a report saying that Derek Carr is probably going to get less than $35 million a year. Ah. Now, that's important for the Raiders because if the Raiders are, are eyeing a Jimmy Garoppolo, I think Jimmy Garoppolo and Derek Carr are going to be in the same boat as far as what they're going to make. I believe within $5 million, they're going to make about the same per year on their new deal. So if Derek Carr isn't getting $35, let us say he gets $31, $32, Jimmy Garoppolo, may, you may be able to get Jimmy Garoppolo for $28, $30. I still wouldn't want Jimmy Garoppolo at that number because of injuries, but if the Raiders are considering it, because I did read Peter King's report, and he basically said that the Raiders may not want to spend a lot. If like if the cost gets too high for a free agent quarterback, they may not want to spend a lot. So if it exceeds $30 million, they may yeah. be off of Jimmy Garoppolo, and you may see Jared Stidham and rookie quarterback as a combination. Yeah, and we, we also heard uh, so far early this week that Jared Stidham is in discussions with the Raiders about a new contract. I, I Listen, granted, somebody comes out of left field and offers the guy a ton of money, you know, over asking price, really. Uh, I don't see any way the Raiders don't sign Jared Stidham. So at the very least, you have Jared Stidham going into camp as your, uh, your, your starter, uh, which I know a lot of fans are comfortable with if they go that approach with a young quarterback. Um, but, but the car situation, the value there – is going to be interesting. I also have seen a lot of people over the last week, and I was out there being your PR guy. I was your hype man about the Mac Jones stuff because everybody said you were crazy. What was that? Five? Oh my gosh, six weeks ago. Um, that that you were crazy. That he sucks. <laughs> all this kind of stuff, and then suddenly we started. We're starting to see all these people come over and say, you know, Mac Jones might be in the opportunity. Mac Jones might be available. Then the Patriots say, no, he's absolutely not available, which always means that they're available. I, I just quick comment on that. And I like, I don't, I don't like to rub it in. I let the people do the talking for me. I don't like to rub <laughs> certain things in. I do it for you. I just, 
I, yeah, I, I, and I and I appreciate you for that. But I, you know, I was on this show and I mentioned Zach, Zach, Mac, Zach Jones, Mac Jones, mid January. Yes. And as you said, people are like, oh, Mo, why would they do that? It's crazy. Since then, I've seen RG3. I've seen Hondo out of Sports Illustrated. Shout out to Hondo. I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, taking a shot at Hondo, but shout out to Hondo. He's on the Mac Jones train. Yep. And I've seen other reporters mention, oh, maybe the Raiders should call the Patriots about Mac Jones. Because I'll say this, <laughs> even though Tom Curran, who's a Patriots reporter, went on the Rich Eisen show and said, no way that the Patriots are shopping Mac Jones. It doesn't mean he's not available if you make a call and a good offer. Because exactly. when he wrote in his and his in an article of the QB breakdown of the Patriots, he also said that uh, Bailey Zappi's progress in the offseason could impact how the Patriots handle Mac Jones. So if Bailey Zappi looks good in the early spring, the Patriots may be more open to moving Mac Jones. Now I know that's after the draft, it's after the fact, but who knows? In 2024, Mac Jones could still be in the trade chatter, and he may wind up on the Raiders as a possibility. I will not let go of that idea because I think it's a good idea while he's still on a rookie contract. And I know a lot of a lot of the 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 re, the rebuttals to you on that have, been, at least that I've seen, have been, well, we have Jared Stidham. Not that he's not much better, and I would say that actually he is better. He started for an entire season. Uh, I know the Pro Bowl is a diminished honor now. But still, he he made the playoffs. Scott, he was second offensive rookie of the year voting. Correct. Behind yeah. Jamar Chase, of course. Right. But and he then, got some offensive rookie of the year votes. Right. And he lost a lot of his roster on the offense. And he had a bad defensive coordinator <laughs> running his offense. So would he he's better than Jared Stidham at this point. I'm not saying that that it'll happen. But I, I think a lot of people are dismissing Mac Jones without knowing much about him or have watched him play. Not only is he better, he's done way more than Jared Sim in that yeah. offense. Jared Sim's only started two games <laughs> under Josh McDaniels. As you said, Mac Jones started a complete season, got the Pro Bowl honor. I know Pro Bowl doesn't mean a lot to people, but I, as I said, he got some Offensive Rookie of the Year votes as well. Yeah. And he's about to have his third but, coordinator in three years. People always want to say, well, Carr hasn't had stability and all of this stuff. <laughs> And they didn't say, well, Mac Jones is a bum. He's about to have his third play offensive play caller in three years. But it, what kills me, though, is when Raider fans call him cocky or that he's a jerk. And I'm thinking, did you ever hear about Lyle Alzado or <laughs> any of the greater I mean, greats who are I mean, such great, awesome players? It's like, who cares? That's what you want. You want he's he's arguing on the sideline with coaches. That's a red flag. Tell Rich Gannon that. Rich Tell, Gannon. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> If you if you liked Rich Gannon, I think you would like Mac Jones' attitude because yes. Rich Gannon was fiery. He would fire back at the coaches, and I yep. know Mac Jones is much younger, so he has much few he has fewer pelts on the wall. Mm-hmm. But I, I want I'd prefer a guy who's going to speak up about what he likes and doesn't like versus a guy that just stands at the podium and says everything's all good, it's fine. A <laughs> passive guy. I'm not going to mention any names, but I, no. I would like a fiery quarterback who's going to tell me what's on his mind versus a quarterback who's not going to tell me anything. Yes. And it's interesting because this conversation, I know you started with the Derek Carr, the, and, and you brought up Derek Carr just because of the the, the figure. It's, it, it's interesting because of where that number is. Uh, and also we're seeing Derek Carr, his PR team has done a great job putting out, and of course the story about 
the Jets telling him he'd be a Hall of Famer and all this kind of stuff. It appears that Derek Carr is is sort of a plan B with a bunch of teams. They're still waiting to for the Aaron Rodgers ball to drop. They're still waiting to see what happens there because and, and what the market will set and these free agent deals that could come starting this week, right? So so it's interesting to see the value there because Derek Carr would have gotten what thirty nine million from the Raiders this year, and so even if a team had traded for him, they would have been on the hook for that money. Now they can get him for a little bit less, which is kind of what you and I expected would happen. Yeah, absolutely. There were there were an array of numbers. There were some people like Derek Carr is going to get you know forty million. I was like, I don't think so. Yeah, I think that that's a little high for a quarterback. And I get wins and losses aren't a quarterback stat, but you got to look at teams are saying, okay, what have you accomplished? You know, since being with the Raiders, we understand that the Raiders had their issues too, but they're looking at your numbers, your volume, you know, Pro Bowls. They, even though we don't think much of it, they look at stuff like that. And that determines in some respects how much you're going to get. So I think it's the mark. You may think you're worth something, but the market will tell you what the league thinks of you. Well, and if you remember uh, David Carr after the, the, the Derek Carr visit to the Jets said, well, he's going to take his time. He's going to talk to a lot of people. That was a nice way of saying, well, nobody wants to sign him yet. And and it's fine on both sides because Derek Carr wants to make sure he goes to the right spot. But this is how the market moves, right, Mo? Is we now are going into a heavy week where you'll see some deals. Whether a quarterback deal happens or not, we don't know. I would expect some quarterback deal to happen. We'll see what it is. But um, this is when you start to see that, and then the dominoes fall, right? Because these GMs start to get nervous. So so somebody goes out and signs somebody or trades for Aaron Rodgers, and everybody's like, okay, now it's our turn. we got to go get our quarterback. <laughs> it's amazing how it happens. It's almost like sixth-grade schoolyard. I think Derek Carr is going to sign with the team within seven, eight days. I say within a week he'll he'll sign with the team. It may not be for a massive number, but I think he'll yeah. he'll settle on the team. But I will say – Remember the reports out that the Jets feel like Derek Carr could be a Hall of Fame quarterback. Would you wait? Would you let a Hall of Fame quarterback wait that long on the market if you really mm-hmm. thought he could be a Hall of Famer? So I, I say that not to take a shot at Derek Carr or anyone who likes him. I say that to say that teams are going to say whatever they want to say to make you feel comfortable to sign with them. Of course. They're going to tell course. you all the, all the great things at the dinner table. It, the money, what they're offering you tells you everything you need to know, though. Exactly. And I still believe, and I go back to January 2 when, when Derek Carr was benched and you said it, and I agree 100%, and I still, I don't know exactly which team, but the NFC South is where he will end up. I mm-hmm. say he ends up in New Orleans still. That's that. If I was going to bet that it, that's what option. I would do, mm-hmm. because to me, that's the better team. Okay, you could say Carolina's a little better maybe, but I think for his situation... Uh, and and what they have in New Orleans, the familiarity too, obviously with the coach Dennis Allen, makes it fit. So I I would if dollars to donuts, I would bet on New Orleans. So we'll have to see how that goes down, and maybe that happens this week too. You never know. And that was my initial landing spot for him was New Orleans. So we'll see if that shakes out. Mostradamus speaks. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> He is 100%. All right. We are going to step aside for this episode. We're going to close it out. We appreciate you guys being with us. Mo, we're going to talk to you on Thursday. My man, what do you got coming up people need to watch out for? I have a column coming out on Wednesday, but I don't want to spoil it. Oh. Um, 
obviously we're going to talk about a lot of combine stuff so that will get you in gear with that which i think really quick just not go off on a tangent but the nfl schedule is weird we focus on rookies in the combine then we switch over to free agency then we switch back over to rookies in the draft just <laughs> odd. but anyway we're going to talk a lot of combine i'm going to have a lot of combine columns coming out well look at that mr combine captain combine midtown <laughs> mo he just keeps piling up nig teams it's like crazy all right my man we'll talk to you on thursday absolutely sounds good all right, that's going to do it for us. Again, thank you for joining us. If you don't subscribe to the podcast, please do so. We would appreciate it very much. Wherever you get your audio, also up on YouTube. Thank you again to everybody in the chat for participating. We'll see you on Thursday. Make sure you subscribe there and also hit the notifications bell. Make sure you follow Mo, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully, and you can follow the show at SNB Today. For our producer, David Stepanian and Mo Moten, I am Scott Branson. We'll talk to you next time, Raider Nation.